So ordinary people. Let me introduce you to a couple of people. In 1995, a young man named Craig Kyleberger, he was 12 years old, he read about a Pakistani boy whose name was Gabal Mashai. At least I think that's how it's pronounced. He was a slave in a carpet factory and he was murdered for protesting and speaking out against the exploitation of children. Kyle Berger adopted Mashai's case and with the help of a few classmates, now remember he's 12 years old, he founded a charity called Free the Children. And with no money and no adult backers at first, this young Canadian boy set out on a mission to rescue children worldwide from slavery, desperate poverty, poverty and backbreaking labor. And despite some initial setbacks, Kyle Berger never gave up. And today, Free the Children is the world's largest network of children helping children. It is a $30 million a year charity that operates in 45 countries and has two million volunteers, nearly all of them under the age of 18. Helen Ash and Ellen Turner, twin sisters. They grew up poor, but their parents always taught them to be generous with whatever they had. And so in 1986, these two sisters founded the Love Kitchen in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the basement of a small church. Their goal was to provide meals for those they called the five H's, the hungry, the homeless, the helpless, the hopeless, and the homebound. That first day, they prepared 22 meals. Today, they serve more than 2,000 meals every week. The sisters now in their 80s are still going strong. These people were ordinary, everyday people. They weren't born with incredible talents. They just took what they had and they did something extra, something extraordinary. This morning we're gonna talk about becoming extraordinary people. And when we, when we begin, I want you to think about that word extraordinary, break it down, extraordinary. Ordinary people who do something extra that makes them become extraordinary. And this pretty much describes the kind of people we're going to talk about today. People who were ordinary, but because they were willing to do something extra, 
they became extraordinary. So before we get into that, let's go to our Father in prayer. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the abilities that you do give us. We thank you, Father, even more for the opportunities that you place before us. And I pray that we will be challenged today to see those opportunities and not only see them, but act upon them and become people who do that extra that we might be extraordinary in your eyes. Be with us this morning. May this honor you and may it motivate us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. This morning I want to uh, go about this a little differently. Typically my sermons uh, have basically three points and uh, in the midst of that I I direct us towards certain scriptures and expound upon those and uh, encourage us from them. But today uh, this message is going to be like one big illustration and uh, hopefully towards the end of it we'll be able to draw some conclusions and some applications. We have a tendency to uh, look at people in the Bible as being something more than ordinary. Uh, By that I mean we have a tendency to kind of put them up on a pedestal and look at them as if we could never be, we could never hope to be like they were. They were so spiritual, you know, so close to God, so uh, superhero types, not quite real. Sometimes, because of that, we find it difficult to identify with them. They were so unlike us. But I would submit to you, the people we read about in the Bible were not (coughs) unlike us. In fact, they were so very much like us. Humans with frailties, failures, questions, doubts, fears. They were in quite, in fact, quite ordinary. And some of the people in the Bible remained ordinary. But some were willing to do something extra and they became extraordinary. It's been said that the great people are merely ordinary people who dared to do what ordinary people would not dare to do. So let's consider some ordinary people who dared to do what ordinary people wouldn't dare to do. Let's take Aaron. It's the Exodus. The great story of how Moses confronted Pharaoh and demanded that he let the Israelites go free. I don't know if you ever saw the classic 1956 uh, Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Uh, I remember watching that as a kid. And the movie made Moses, who was played by Heston, kind of an icon in this little boy's mind. I remember that scene where they're at the Red Sea and Charlton Heston playing the part of Moses raises his staff and the sea just rolls back. It's quite a spectacle. 
But the thing is, up until the parting of the sea, it was not Moses who took the lead. It was Aaron. God had spoken to Moses, and Moses just had all kinds of reasons why he couldn't do it. I can't talk, he said. And so God chose to use Moses' brother, Aaron. God told Moses what to do, and Moses told Aaron, and Aaron did it. Without the benefit of all the signs that God gave to Moses to convince him to go back to Egypt and free his people, Aaron took the lead. And this ordinary guy did some extraordinary things. It was Aaron who spoke to the mighty Pharaoh and demanded the people be set free. It was Aaron who held the staff through which God performed miracles and initiated plagues. And again, God never spoke to Aaron. He always spoke to Moses. And Moses would tell Aaron what God had said. And Aaron, without the benefit of all the miracles, all the signs, even the voice of God, he stepped out. He did something extra. He said, okay, let's do it. And God used him in a powerful way. Aaron was willing to do something extra and he became extraordinary. And it was Aaron, not Moses, who became the first high priest in the tabernacle. There was Caleb. It was time for the children of Israel to enter and take the land of Canaan. They stood on the river and the land of Canaan was on the other side. Now, when we think of this, we think of Joshua, that great warrior and leader whom God placed in charge after Moses' death. And when the Israelites finally returned to Jordan, uh, returned to the Jordan River, after they'd sent back, been sent back into the wilderness because of their faithlessness, it was Joshua, Joshua rather, who leads them. But when Moses first brought them to the land of Canaan, 12 spies were sent across to spy out the land. One of them was Caleb. When they came back, 11 of them said, we can't do it. We can't do it. There are giants there. There are walled cities. There's no way we can conquer the land. Caleb spoke up and said, yes, we can. We can do it. God said he was going to give us this land. We can do it. But the people were faithless, of course. And God sent them back into the wilderness for 40 years. And when they came back to the Jordan River, Caleb was there. 
and he crossed the river and they conquered the land. He was just one of the guys, no different than the others, except that he was willing to do the extra. He was willing to believe God, trust in God. Caleb became extraordinary. There was Hannah. All she wanted to do was honor God with a child. She wasn't a warrior. She wasn't a princess. She wasn't a political leader. And do you remember a, named, a man named Elkanah? Probably not. That's because his name is only mentioned about eight times in the Bible, all in the first and second chapter of First Samuel. He was Hannah's husband. He wasn't, she wasn't even married to anyone famous. She wanted a child, and so she promised God if he would grant her a child, she would dedicate the child to the Lord's service. She wanted to do something extra. God granted her her desire, and Samuel was born, and he became judge over Israel. And it was Samuel whom God used to anoint the king, King David. All because an ordinary woman did something a little extra and became extraordinary in her faith. And then there were these fishermen, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John. They had done nothing anyone would have thought outstanding. They would just get up every morning, go to their boat, go out and fish and come home ordinary guys. But when Jesus called them, they each did something a little extra. They each dared to do something that ordinary men would not have dared to do. They left their boats, they left their nets, and they followed Jesus just because he said, follow me. And these fishermen became extraordinary, and they changed the world. There is not one of us here today who is anything but ordinary. And if you think otherwise, you have a self-inflated view of yourself. <laughs> now that is not a put-down. It just means that we are normal, everyday people. We go about our daily lives. We do what we do, just living. We are no different than any of the people that we've talked about. We're not any different than Aaron, Caleb, Hannah, Peter, Andrew, James, John, countless others mentioned in the Bible. They were all just ordinary people but they were willing to do the extra. They were willing to step out in faith and become servants of the Lord. Every one of us here today could become 
extraordinary. For all it takes to be great in the kingdom of God is to simply become a servant. That song we sang, Lord, make me a servant. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 26, whoever wishes to become great among you shall become your servant. Greatness, you see, in the eyes of God is derived when we simply become servants. People that God can use. And remember, we live as free with free will in this world. He could easily take any one of us and make us do what he wants done. But he chooses to allow us the free will to choose. There's a song, it's called uh, Ordinary People. Here are the lyrics. Just ordinary people. He uses people. Wait a minute, let me start that over. Just ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. He uses people just like you and me who are willing to do as he commands. He chooses people who will give him all. No matter how small your all may seem to you. Because little becomes much when you place it in the master's hands. God's not looking for people who will go out and astound the world. He's looking for people who will serve him. And through those servants, the world will come to him. But we have to use what God has given us. In your uh, bulletin today, I put a word to grow by. I actually wrote this uh, many years ago when I was had just moved from New York to Newport News, Virginia. And uh, consequently, I've changed the first part of it because uh, I wrote it back then and I have to change the sense of timing on it. It goes like this. In my garage, I had a lot of tools. Most of them were still in boxes. They had not been unpacked after the move from New York to Newport News, Virginia. In New York, I had a workshop, and I used my tools often, but in Virginia, the rented house had no place for a workshop. I hardly used my tools. Now, through the years, I had acquired some great tools and had used them to build some nice things, but for the past two years, I had, built, I had not built anything because my tools were still packed in boxes. Great tools are useless, packed away in a box. God has given each of us some great tools. The Bible talks about them in 
Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, God calls them spiritual gifts. They are tools for serving Him. With them we can teach, we can comfort, we can lead others to Jesus, we can give our resources, we can show kindness and mercy. There is so much we can do to build the lives of those around us if we will just use our tools. But great tools are useless, packed away in a box. It was late afternoon. The sinking sun sent a shadow through the open door of the workshop. The young man casting the shadow leaned against the doorway. He was just a boy, maybe six or seven. He, cooked at, he kicked at the wood shavings on the floor as he watched his dad reach down into the toolbox and sort through the chisels, looking for the right one. Unable to resist any longer, the boy ran inside, knelt by the toolbox, and started offering up various chisels for his dad to use. No, not that one. It's too big. We don't want to make ugly gouges in this piece. Oh, yes, that, that one will work just fine. Thanks, son. As the years went by, the young boy learned how special each tool was and how, each, how to use each one. And as he grew, he must have known the hammer and the spike would someday be used to build a bridge between heaven and earth. But what if they'd not been taken out of the box? How about your tools? Are you using them or do you keep them packed away in a box? And it's not only that we have tools, we are tools. In the hands of God, we are tools. God can use us. He wants to use us. But we must step out of the box and be willing to do something a little extra. And if we do, we can truly become not ordinary people, but extraordinary people. I will not be preaching next week because the Tyners will be here. But the following week, I want to bring you that other sermon, the case for doing good deeds. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word and for the challenge that you placed before us and for the truth that we must learn that we are tools in your hands if we will allow you to use us. Father, help us to understand that we don't have to be extraordinary because of special gifts that we have, but that we can be extraordinary because we give to you the gifts that we do have ourselves. Take us, Father. Use us for your kingdom's sake. We ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This time we'll sing our closing song.